Hey, I was telling Becky the other day something that I thought was funny. I was telling her about when I was a kid, I used to steal watermelons from my neighbor's gardens. <laughs> and once my dad said, hey, uh, you know the neighbors up the road, somebody's been stealing their watermelons. I said, really? Why are you telling me, Daddy? <laughs> Just in case you knew anything about it. <laughs> well, I had this thing happen. I didn't. I said, yeah, if I, if I know, if I hear anybody stealing watermelons, I'll surely tell them the neighbors are not happy. Well, that has a point in a minute. I'll bring that story back to you. But hey, I had a great vacation, and uh, like this is you know, Doctor Seuss had a lot of wisdom. This is what he said: "I am glad it happened, and I'm not sorry it's over." I think a lot of Christians are sorry things are over, and they live in that world of being sorry it's over instead of just being glad it happened. And I think a lot of people need to start looking at your life differently instead of being sad about what's no longer happening. You need to be happy it happened because God has more. And by the way, Katie Cook up there singing. That was really good. And the keyboard player, that was really good. Where's he at? Mr. Mechanical Engineer to be. That's what he's going to school for. But the Lord said to me about Katie is, Katie, he's given you an ear to hear him. And if you'll start listening, God will start talking to you. He's already talking to you, but I think he's saying you need to pay attention and listen because he's got things to say to you. Okay? So just do that and you'll be all right. Anyways, I'm going to read Joshua 5 and I'll tell you about my watermelon story in a minute because God has a sense of humor. Joshua 5, verse 13 through 15. It came to pass when Joshua was was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. That would not be a happy moment, right? Some guy standing there with a sword. But Joshua was was no chicken, and he went to him, or he was crazy, right? Like, dude, standing there with a sword, and you're going to walk up to him. Something There's something fishy about this. And said to him, if somebody was standing there with a sword, what would you do? You would run. If you were smart. But are you for us or for our adversaries? I believe Joshua must have been a really bad dude to ask a person like that with a sword, uh, that question. I mean, in other words, this guy, he was not somebody you want to mess with. I think a lot of time we, we get this view of these characters in the Bible. And we think they're really these really sweet, meek people. But they, these rascals had to be, especially in that day, they had to really be really tough guys. In other words, you wouldn't want to mess with these guys. None of them. So he said, to, to, so he said no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Isn't that beautiful? I mean, he might have been the toughest guy in the world, but when the Lord spoke, he humbled himself. I was thinking this morning in worship, what I kept coming to my mind, that scripture where Jesus said, um, he who has been forgiven much loves much. Yeah. Think about how many times we don't love, and, but when you start thinking about your life and all that God has forgiven you for, I think it would be the most rowdiest, craziest bunch ever. I'm serious. I think 
that would cause a person's insides to erupt. It's when we begin to realize how much we've been forgiven and how much God, and see, the church has been robbed, I believe, of expressing their love to the Lord. And I believe the Lord is really asking us to really think this morning about what we do with our life and how we live our lives. If it's worshiping the Lord, if worshiping the Lord is a, is a boring thing to you, then I think we need to ask ourselves, Lord, we just need to remember where we came from. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Um, you know, I can imagine Joshua at that moment thinking about Moses when, the, when Moses came up on the burning bush and the Lord said, uh, Take your shoes off, Moses, because you're standing on holy ground. And um, I'm pretty fascinated with verses in the Bible where the Lord appears to people and they don't recognize him. Uh, you know, that's pretty, uh, I'm talking about people who know the Lord. And, you know, Joshua had spent years and years and years, it says, in the presence of the Lord. Every time the manifest presence of the Lord would come on the tabernacle in the wilderness and rest on the tabernacle, Moses would go to the tabernacle to hear what God had to say. And Joshua would, would go along with them. And Moses would hear what the Lord had to say and then go announce it to everybody. But it says that Joshua would stay back in the presence of the Lord. So we're not talking about a person who didn't have a, a, an experience with God, an experience with the presence of God, an experience with the voice of God. Yet when the Lord appeared to him in a different way, at first he didn't recognize him. And we find that like with Mary at the tomb in the New Testament. You know, she thought he was the gardener. Uh, isn't that fascinating? The men on the road to Emmaus. Uh, Jesus walks into the room and stands with his disciples, and they're scared to death, not knowing us the Lord. He's walking on the water. They think he's a ghost. And so I think many times in our life, God wants to come to us in different ways and in different seasons and different times. And one of the things I think he always will do, just like he did with Moses and Joshua, is a, is a pattern is he says, because, you know, you're, you're taking shoes off. Your shoes what you walk in. It's your walk. It's like when we have those moments with the Lord, he is asking us to change something. Change your walk is fixing to change. Your life is fixing to change. You get that. You look at Moses, his life, completely revolutionary change. He was a, a guy wandering in the wilderness, a guy, do, uh, do, you know, tending sheep, and he became a great deliverer. After that moment. Well, Joshua had been this man and had been asked to lead. Okay? Asked to lead. And now, but after this moment, he became a man of war because the Lord appeared to him as a man of war. Many times when the Lord appears, the way he appears to us, what he reveals to us about himself is the way, is, is, has something to do with the assignment that he has to us. He wants to reveal an assignment to us. He wants to reveal our future to us. And, and he wants us to begin to walk in, in that way. Are y'all following that? So we're in a time now where God, is, there's a shift that's hap, happened. It's, it's happened. I mean, that's the problem. Is we, we tend to cling to what was. And when what was was over, we tend to live there in sadness. 
Oh, I wish my vacation wasn't over. I wish I was still sitting on the beach. You know, it's over. Don't be sad about it. Be happy you got that experience. Be happy you had that ministry. Be happy you had that career. Be happy you had that relationship. But if it's over, it's over. It's time to move on. And I'm going to say that God is calling people into an encounter. You know, He's calling people into an encounter for this time. Because what you had is no longer. And you can't keep going back and trying to live there. Well, I had this dream uh, one night while I was on vacation um, I wanted to tell you about. And in the dream, there was a man who I know knew. He's no longer with us now. He was a mighty man, a mighty prophet, really. And he was doing something, and I was telling him, that's not going to work. That is just not going to work. And I was trying to have this conversation with him about what he was doing because it wasn't going to work. And I knew it in the dream. And that was, that was the whole dream, is me having this conversation, trying to convince him about what he was doing and what he was saying was not going to work. But when I knew this man, when he was alive, I'd have never had that conversation with him because he never said anything ever to me that wouldn't work. You know, he's always said stuff to me that I knew was the Lord. So I was thinking, Lord, what, is this, what does this dream mean? Lord, I know you're trying to tell me something because this person was a significant person in my life. had a lot of influence on me spiritually. So I know you're trying to talk to me, Lord. Well, I get up, you know, I'm messing around. This is, you know, I finally look, start looking at my email, and, and Becky had sent me this email about this man who had a dream, and it was the exact dream that this man had. He had had this dream, and in this dream, this person who had been a spiritual father to him was doing something that wasn't going to work, and he was trying to convince him. And finally, the guy in the dream called on the Lord, Lord, do something. And the Lord sent an angel into the situation and the angel went and talked to the spiritual father and, and told him, this is not going to work, what you're doing. And he said the father looked at him and began to weep. And he realized that he must cover this man. And this is what he said. He said, God can be trusted. He will work and appear on your behalf, but in the dream his appearance was predicated upon an atmosphere of honor. Did y'all get that? His appearance was predicated upon an atmosphere of honor. And so what this man was doing, he was honoring this father. And because he honored him, God showed up and made the situation right. Isn't that cool? Well, I thought, oh, oh, thank you, Lord. Have I dishonored this man in any way? Well, the next night I had another dream. This is where the watermelon patch comes in. (laughs) I was in that place where that water patch, watermelon patch was. God doesn't really have a sense of humor. But it was like heaven on earth. There were crops there. And you could tell they were, there was no pollution. There was nothing man-made there. The atmosphere was beautiful. The trees were beautiful. Everything was beautiful, but it was on earth. It wasn't heaven. It was on earth because we were dealing with real-life issues. Okay, real life issues. And I was given this mantle of hair. I knew y'all were going to laugh at it because when I told my kids about it, they just laughed away. Oh, God gave you a mantle of hair. Isn't God funny? (laughs) Yes, he is. See, God has a sense of humor. So he gave me this mantle of hair. And when I put, put the mantle of hair on me, 
I know this is kind of weird, but, you know, mammals are important in the Bible. It was like suddenly I had wisdom and understanding about everything going on around me. Every problem that came, I instantly knew what to do. I knew the answer. I had the answer. It was like I had wisdom and I had understanding and the ability to create this world, this beautiful world, to bring God's atmosphere into this world and affect the natural world, the natural realm, affect crops, affect there was no pollution in the atmosphere. The trees were beautiful. The birds were singing. Everything was full of life. And God was giving me this with this mantle of hair. And so when I got out of the dream, you know, I put the two dreams together, okay? You see, God really wants to bring people into new encounters with Him in this season we're in. And God wants to release mantles to people, okay? Mantles from heaven. What God does, He releases things. Like He released a mantle to Moses when He had that encounter. He released a mantle of warfare to Joshua when He had that encounter. He released these things to people so that they could do what God had called them to do and do it well. And see, that's really where we're at. You, you're, what's in front of you, what you, your, your anointing from the past is not what you need. Now, you need a different anointing. You need a different mantle. You need something better and greater than what you had. Are y'all following this? So, um, it's, here's the thought. If you think about, are y'all good? You think about Christianity, we really do live on the edge of two worlds, right? We live on the edge of heaven and we live on the edge of this world. And so we're sort of right there on the edge. And if you go through the Scripture and study the Scripture, you realize all through the Scripture there's gateways or doors or whatever you want to call them between the two worlds. That's how people you know, navigate. That's how the Apostle Paul navigated. He had doorways. He would say, I have a door of opportunity here, a great door. Okay? There was times when he said, the Holy Spirit forbid me. And in other words, there was a door there, but it was closed. There were times when he, God gave him a door and he wouldn't even go through it. Second Corinthians, that's just still blazing. Second Corinthians 2, read it. A great door of ministry is open, but I don't feel good about going through it. Okay? And see what these doors are, these are the, these are the points where there's an intersection there when the world that God lives in, the spiritual realm and the natural realm intersect. And that's how we access that world. Are y'all following this? I know y'all sitting there. Some of you, you're skeptical and you need to stop. Stop it. Stop being a skeptic. That's not helping you. This is all in the Bible. Okay? Don't be that way. Open your heart up and let God do something new and real in your life. If you will, things will shift and God will begin to reveal things to you that you desperately need. Our environment needs a revelation from heaven. Hey, we need to get rid of pesticides. The only way we're going to get rid of them is get something from heaven on those crops. That's the best pesticide there is, is heaven. The environment is polluted. We, you see what I'm saying? I'm not talking about just being... You know, you know, we're going to be all weird and spiritual in church. I'm talking about changing the world we live in for the good. That's what I believe now. Hey, are y'all happy? Anyways, so, so these gateways open, the, open up the spiritual realm for us and give us the ability to connect there and get what's there here. 
And so I was thinking about all the, there's different ways that God has given us, real practical ways to do this. Okay, and one of them was in the dream is honor. When we begin to dishonor each other, God is going to be hindered. You're going to be hindered from entering into what God has for you because God doesn't like dishonor. And so we, number one, that's why he said, honor your fathers and mothers. You see, he was really trying to teach man. He, it wasn't a law. You know, it was really an opportunity for people. Like if you'll honor, if you have an honoring heart, I can work in your life. Okay, if that's what you'll do. If you'll honor each other, I can work in your life. Parents, if you can honor your children and not trespass against them, because parents do it all the time. A child say, you know, don't do that, don't do that, and they'll keep doing it. That's dishonoring them. You're stepping over a boundary. You need to respect their boundaries. I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about like a kid has a toy or you just grab their food or something. I've seen parents just grab their food, and the kids are like, no, they don't want them to. Now, how can that be right? Would you want somebody grabbing your food and you didn't want to? No. I, y'all just looking at me. But I'm just saying these are real things. You know? These are very real things that matter to God. When we take advantage of someone like a child that we're bigger and stronger and we have more authority and we can just do what we want to with them. That's not honor. That's dishonor. Okay? Well, I think it's all right. I've been guilty of that, but Becky lets me know, don't do that. That ain't right. And But when you begin to realize that's, when we begin to honor, it opens the way for God to move in your life. Begins to open the way. Another one is prayer. Another one is worship. Okay, another one is dreams, visions, and revelations. Paul had a dream after the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there. He had a dream. And in the dream, a man was saying, come over here and help us. In other words, in the dream, the man was saying, hey, Paul, the door there is shut for now, but there's a door here for you to go through. Y'all following that? And that's how he knew. And that's why dreams and visions and revelations are really important because they show us where the door is. They show us where it's opened at. All this will. See, what it does, it aligns us with the purposes of God. It aligns us with what God is trying to do in our life. And when we get in alignment with him, you know, that's what worship does. It lines our heart up with Him. And when our hearts line up with Him, God begins to reveal what needs to be revealed to you. And I think this is pretty good. You know, um, here's the way a lot of people work spiritually. They see an opening, okay? But what they don't realize is just a window, and so they're trying to get out or go through here, and they can't. And they're, they're confused about it because they can't discern what it is. And it's like the Lord says, no, 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 go back there. That's where the door is. And so what God wants to do is show us these doors that are there in the spirit realm, right there around us all the time. And so what I'm saying to you is when we have this honoring heart, or prayer, or worship, or dreams, vision, the scriptures are really vital in this. Because what the scriptures do, let me tell you this. Here's what the scriptures do. The scriptures teach us what the voice of God is like. That's what they do. They teach us what his voice is like. So when we hear God speak, we can know that's him. 
And so Christians who don't have a life in the Scripture are disabling themselves from really knowing what the voice of the Lord is like. The Scriptures themselves are not necessarily the voice of the Lord. We don't live by the Scripture. Jesus said that. He says, man don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. That word there was a rhema word. It was God speaking. It wasn't the written word, the logos. But the logos is what keeps you on track. And see, what we've seen happen in the church is we've seen people really get off in the realm of visions and dreams. They start getting off into weirdness. Why do they get off in weirdness? Because they, they didn't stay on track with the Scripture. And so really, if you're going to really come into a spirituality, and if you're going to really start really connecting with the spiritual realm, you know, you really have to be committed to a life in the Scripture. I mean, totally committed to it. I mean, all the time. You can never neglect it. Never. I don't care what anybody says. See, I don't really buy in to that because, see, what I'm doing is the Scripture is helping me know this person. The Scriptures are not that person, but they help me connect with that person when that person shows up. Does that make sense? And so that encourages me when I read the Bible and it's boring. Right? It's boring, Lord. I don't really get this. I was reading in Revelations this past week like, what does this mean? Can you explain this to me, please? (laughs) Because I don't believe anything anybody says about Revelations. Everybody who tells me about Revelations, what it means, I'm like, nah. I don't believe it because in 20 years it'll be different because 20 years ago everybody was declaring what it meant. Anyways, that's just one of my thoughts. Are y'all all right? So, I mean, I'm just throwing these thoughts out at, at you this morning because, I, number one, I do believe we're in a very important time. And I believe it's a time where God is saying to people that God's there, they're not recognizing Him. He's showing up and they're not recognizing Him. In fact, some of them are getting them up and walking off. They're just walking away from what God's trying to do. And, and he's saying to some, like, you know, take your shoe off. They're like, you know, I want to redirect your life some now. But I really wanted to, you know, just say something about prayer this morning, if that's okay with y'all. Because I feel like I'm sort of on the on the on the cutting line with y'all right now. I feel like y'all looking at me like you know I got uh, I'm not, really not sure about this guy. <laughs> but this is what I, I'm just going to tell you this about prayer. I'm not going to try to tell you how to pray because if you don't know how to, all you got to do is open your mouth and start talking. Okay, I don't have to tell you how to talk to somebody. You could just open your mouth and start talking, and you go figure out the stuff they don't want to hear. You know. <laughs> And God will let you know the stuff he didn't want to talk to you about because he'll just go silent on you. You know? But, you know, in the past season, for me, prayer was a survival mechanism. That's what it was for me. It was help, Lord. You've got to help me. I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm sinking. I'm going down. God, please help. You know what? God, the Bible says God hears the cry of the distressed and doesn't despise it. He doesn't despise it. In other words, there's a time to cry out in distress. And God does not look down on us when we're in that place. I don't care if you go days like that where your best prayers help. Because I went days where I just said, you know what, I got two prayers. One, I'm praying in tongues. Two, I'm saying help. That was my only English word, help. Because I had prayed every other prayer and, you know, it was like, you got to help, Lord. And so God, God's all right with that. 
But I want to say this. I don't want my prayer life to stay like that. I'll be honest with you. And so I feel like God is trying to bring us in. I feel like God's trying to bring us all beyond just survival in our prayers. Bring us into something more in our prayers. That's what I really, really feel. And because really prayer really is how we connect with the spiritual realm. It's how we communicate with God and how He communicates with us. That's what Joshua was doing all those years he was in the presence of the Lord, communing with God. Connect. Maybe they, they could have been words. They could be no words. You don't, you don't have to use human words always in prayer. You could talk with your spirit, talk with your heart. There's many ways to do it, okay? There's many ways, many, many prayers we could pray. But the main thing is have this connection, this communication. Oh, I can tell you this about communication. Go to my house and don't talk to her as her husband. Just go and sit and be quiet. You think you're going to have a good day? Mm-mm. No, sir. Well, I think that is the way God is sometimes. Like, yo, you know, you ain't got nothing to say. You know, well, you don't look, you know. He wants, he wants us to talk. He wants communication because he's a communicator. And men need to talk to their wives while you're thinking about that. But, you know, have you ever driven a car whose front end was out of the line? You ever driven a car whose front end? Y'all know what that means? It means it pulls. Back when I was a kid, they didn't have power steering in cars, so the cars were hard to steer anyway. But if a car had, uh, it was out of line, you were having to literally fight the steering wheel the whole time to keep it from going off the road. And that's what happens with us many times when we get out of alignment with God. We're fighting it. Okay? You're fighting something. You're trying to stay on track. And your Christianity becomes a burden to you. It becomes tiring to you. How many people know that? How many people have said, I'm just tired. You know, God ain't working in my life. It's because your car's pulling. It's pulling over here because somewhere in your life you're out of alignment with God. You're not connecting with His heart. You're not feeling His passions. You're not feeling what He's, what he's saying. And so you're working at this thing. And so that's what happens. That's how God wants to, how we encounter Him. He aligns us. And prayer will align you with God as you begin to communicate with God and you begin to talk with God. But I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person who likes a prayer that gets answered. Yes. Right? I mean, I don't really want, I don't like asking God to do stuff and He never does it. Does, y'all know what I mean? Yes. How many people know what I mean? Like, you know, Lord, I've been praying that you heal my eye forever. And if worse... I mean, forever. I can't see out of my eye, hardly. In fact, I've been in the gym before without my glasses on, and people were offended at me that were standing from here to the wall because I didn't have my glasses on. I couldn't see who they were. I couldn't tell who they were. Like, well, yeah, I saw you in the gym. You stuck up. I'm sorry. I didn't see you. You should have come up to my face, and then I'd have known you were there because I don't like to wear my glasses when I'm working out just in case... I drop the weights on my face. At least I don't want to have glasses to put on after my face gets fixed. Anyways, prayer really is like breathing also. This is another thought I have. That's why Paul said pray without ceasing. Prayer is like breathing. When we stop breathing, we start dying. You know, and so when we begin, and I'm just saying, oh, that's what, he said pray without ceasing. There's like this communication with God that can be going on all the time in our life. This meditation, this thought, this contemplation, or actually verbalizing something. But I wanted to read this one couple of scriptures. Are y'all, y'all still good? Uh, John 16, it says, In that day you will ask me nothing. Wouldn't you like to say, No, Jesus, we really would like to ask you something because you're a good guy, Jesus. But I don't know about God's up there on the phone. Sometimes he ain't so good, it seems. 
Because it never answers my prayer. Can I just ask you? I've actually said that, Lord. No, Lord, please let me ask you. Because it seems like you hear stuff. It seems like everybody else don't hear. The Holy Spirit seems like he doesn't pay attention. The Father seems like he's like, mm, like a daddy. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> Wait about that. You know, I'll tell you this. When I remember when I first felt like God was calling me to be in the ministry, I talked to people and they said, well, we need to talk about that later. I heard that so many times. It's like, I don't want to talk about it later. I want to talk about it now. <laughs> you know what I mean? People don't want to talk to you about stuff you want to talk We'll talk about that later. That, what they were saying is, I don't want to talk to you about that because you're an idiot. <laughs> you think you're going to be in the ministry? <laughs> Nobody in their right mind would think that, Byron. So let's just talk about it later. Anyways, most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Is that not just an amazing scripture? Whatever you ask him. I'm thinking, that is not the truth. My, I have asked him so much stuff that he didn't give me. I can give you a long list. In fact, I thought, Lord, why don't we just do this? Once a week, I get one thing that I ask you. Just once I Imagine what that would do to your life if God, one prayer a week that he answered, it would revolutionize your life. I know it wouldn't mind. It would totally revolutionize. I would be the most spiritual person on the planet. I mean, I would barely be on earth. You know, because just that one prayer once a week, I'll get this one. I'm going to get a good one too. I'm going for the kill on that first one. I've actually said that to the Lord. Then he says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that, what? Your joy. See, that's really the key right there. I believe this is what I've come to conclusion about life is about enjoyment. Because here's what I realized in my life is a lot of my life was lived and I didn't enjoy my life. You want me to tell you a secret? Maybe I should tell you, maybe I shouldn't. I could really be in trouble telling you this. I could really offend you. This happened very recently, okay? And Becky, I told Becky about it. She said, finally, (laughs) just now after all these years. I actually, one morning I came out here real early, like real early, like more early than you want to be up out of the bed even early. Like it was still not even light outside. And I was walking down the hall and this thought hit me. I said, Lord, I am so happy I'm pastoring this church. I'm so thankful I've got to do this with my life. Thank you, Lord. I really appreciate you letting me do this. That was the first time I ever said that, Lord, and really meant it. It's the first time. <laughs> I told Becky about it. She was like, man, it's about time. You see, what God's been telling me, he's been talking to me about my life and about learning to enjoy the life that he's given me. And this is what he told me. He said, I am not wanting to answer prayers that's going to steal the joy that I have for you. That's why that prayer, that, those scriptures don't work in your life because you're asking things that will take the joy. You may think, you may think that job will give you joy. You may think that ministry will give you joy. You may think that person will give you joy. But Byron, you don't know. You don't know. If it had been up to me, I'd have married a different woman. That's the truth. Because I thought she was the one. 
I thought she was the one. I thought she was the person that was going to make my life great. Today, I'm on my knees thanking God. It didn't take me long. It didn't take forever for me to figure out that person. God gave me the person that gives me joy and gives me enjoyment. See, God did not mean us to live a life of misery. And see, that's why, what, what he was saying there. That's the connection there. I never really saw that. You know, the way we receive, the asking in his name is to ask him. And he's always looking at his beautiful plan he has for our life. And he's saying, if that doesn't fit in that beautiful plan, we ain't doing it. <laughs> this is the truth. I want to read this. I can show it to you. It's in other places. I want to read this one story here. Uh, Mark 10, 35 through 41. This is the greatest I mean, if somebody asked for something, these guys were asking for the sky. They were asking, they were going over. I mean, these is bold people in prayer. And it was two of the great men of God. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Have, parents know that. Dad, will you do whatever I ask you? Any parents ever had a child to do that to them? Oh, yeah, I'm telling y'all, if y'all ain't, y'all got good young'uns. <laughs> My kids have asked me that, trying to set me up, like, yeah, sure. I'll do whatever you ask. And then they ask, like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. You said, Dad. <laughs> you said. Well, that's sort of what these people did. We want you to do whatever you ask. Because they knew Jesus said, the Father, do whatever you ask. We're getting you on your words, Jesus. <laughs> and he said to them, well, what do you want me to do for you? The Lord's good at me. At least he'll talk to you about it. They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. In other words, Jesus, listen, we know, this is what we know, Jesus. We know that we're asking you, this is why we're asking you this, because we are really scared Peter's going to ask for it. And, because, and he's way up and down. You do not want him sitting up there. And we're also wondering about Thomas because Thomas, dude, he has really got some issues with his faith, man. I mean, we don't, he don't need to be there in the center of power where all decisions are being made. One time, Andy Squires did this. Matthew Bollinger asked Andy Squires. Andy Squires went to a U2 concert. And Matthew Bollinger asked him, Hey, Andy, how was that concert? It was the greatest concert I ever went to. The greatest, greatest concert. The next day, me and Andy and Matthew and a couple of other people were standing around here doing something. And I said, hey, Andy, how was that concert? It was the worst thing ever. <laughs> and Matthew grabbed me later. You know what he told me yesterday? He said, it was the best thing ever. I said, yeah. And he's got that Peter anointing in him. <laughs> One day is awesome. The next day is terrible. <laughs> well, that's what they were saying. We're doing, only reason we're doing this is because we're trying to protect the world because we know some bad things can happen. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drank and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, sure we're able, Lord. And Jesus said, okay, so if you're able, you shall. You will indeed drink the cup that I drank with the baptism I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But, now this is really where it really gets interesting. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give but it's for those what, whom it is prepared. Now, this is really important. Here's A lot of times our prayers are this. We're wanting something, 
it's like we want somebody else's life. We want somebody else's life. And the Lord's saying, I, I can't give you somebody else's life. I can't give you somebody else's calling. I can't give you somebody else's dreams. I can't give you somebody else's purpose. And because you're asking for that, I can't answer that. Are y'all following that? And so you're watching your friend go through this blessed door and God's doing all this wonderful thing and you're trying to go through that same door and you're banging into a wall because that door's not meant for you. Because God wants us to ask Him about who we are and who He created us to be. And that's the parameters where God answers prayers. It's when we begin to focus in on what did you prepare me for? Why did you put me on this earth? What is my calling? What is my purpose? Who am I? That's where God can begin to work in your life and answer the prayers. But if you're trying to be, you know, Scott Forsythe, well, you're just not smart enough, but son. I didn't give you enough gray matter to be do that. Yeah. Forget him. Be you. But I'm just this dumb guy. Lord. Be dumb. I'll use you. I will use you powerfully as this, this dumb person. And I will change the world through your dumb self. Be happy with who you've been created to be. That's what Jesus was saying. Y'all don't do it. One of the great revelations the Lord gave me when I really came into a revelation of the Father was He told me this. He says, everybody has a place at the table. Everybody. And you have a place for yourself. And nobody can take your place. But inheriting that thought was this. I can't take somebody else's place neither. I need to find my place. I need to sit there. And I need to begin to rejoice in the place that God's given me. And I need to begin to be thankful. This is my place. This is what God's given me to do. And I can begin to flourish there. Instead of always wishing I could do something else. Lord, if I could just do something else with my life. If I could just be somebody else. If I could just have hair, Lord. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? When you go to China, this is what all the girls do. They walk around with umbrellas. They use cream that has bleach in it because they want to be light-skinned. But if you go to the beach, yeah. all the girls are laying out in the sun, all the white girls, <laughs> trying to get dark because they want to be dark. Nobody's happy with what they are and who they are. Yeah. You know what the Lord told me recently? You know that scripture in Matthew where they, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? You know, all that. Who do men say that I am? Well, Jeremiah, blah, blah. Well, then who do you say I am? Well, this is what the Lord said to me. Byron, you know what you need to ask me? You need to ask me, who am I, Lord? Who do you say I am, Lord? You need to begin to talk, start a dialogue with me about who do you, Lord, say that Byron Wicker is? Who do you, Lord, say that Byron, what Byron Wicker should be doing with his life? Because if you're trying to be somebody else and trying to do what they're doing, you're making a mistake. And I'm not going to operate with you in that realm. It's not mine to give you. Let me read how James says it. Are you all right? You know what? God has a door open for everybody in this room. You know, he has a job door or employment door, a ministry door, a spouse door. Whatever kind of door you're looking for, there's a door there for you personally. And, and we're looking for those doors. We want those doors, but lots of times we're not getting to those doors because we're not being true to who we are and what God's called us to be. We've got to find our door. Lord, what's the door you have for Byron? Wicker. 
Not the door you have for Scott. He needs to go through his door. I need to go through mine. And see, that's what's wrong, I think. And I'm not trying to be bad here, but I think that's what's wrong with the body of Christ. We believe everything that people say. You know, we believe a bunch of stuff nobody can prove. It's not even like, that's, how did you come up with that? And we just buy in it because we were, we're looking for these answers and we're looking for people who can tell us who we are and God is saying, none of that can help you. None of that can help you. Only I can do that. Only I can do that. Stop just trying to be a clone. Stop trying to be like everybody else. Find out who you really are. And only he can tell you that. And I, this is how he'll start answering prayer for you. It's when you begin to function in who you are. If you stole watermelons when you was a kid, you need to settle that with him. I stole watermelons. I see who I am. I'm a watermelon thief, Lord. That's, that's what we did. But he redeemed it in the dream. It was in the same spot where the watermelons were, and it was beautiful. And he was giving me wisdom to oversee it and take care of it instead of stealing from it. And God, right? This is what James said. Are y'all good? Uh, James says this, James 4, You lust and do not have. Anybody know about that? You murder and covenant and cannot attain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. You're asking for something that's not, not for you because it's not who you are and what God created you to be. So the best question you can ask God is, what have you created me for and what do you have for me? That's what I want to talk to you about, God, because that's what you're going to give me. You're not going to give me somebody else's mantle. You're going to give me my mantle. You know, when Bob Jones died, everybody was talking about getting his mantle and all this. I'm thinking, bull, they're not getting his mantle. He's already said that. That's what he told a few people. Ain't nobody getting this mantle. It's going back to where it came from. It's going back to Africa where it came from. That's what he said. You know, because it was for him, it was created uniquely for him, for who he was in his time. And when it was over with, that was over with. God has another mantle for upcoming prophets or people who are already there. You do not have, you know, because you, and that you may spend it on your pleasures. You know, I think sometimes there really is truth that it's a timing thing, you know, that we don't get our prayers answered. Just, you know, it's timing. Right? I mean, you know, it's like, okay, Paul, when he tried to go to Asia... The Lord forbid him to go. And now, if he was an idiot, he would have forced his way into that place because he could have said, well, you sent me out to preach the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. Let's go. But see, God entrusted something with Paul. He entrusted doors with Paul. And Paul knew which door to go through, right? And he knew which door not to go through. Even when he had an open door, he could have gone through he decided not to because he felt there was something better, something greater. And see, God wants to entrust a lot with us. Like in that dream, I was entrusted with a lot of authority over land, over crops, over the environment. That's a lot of authority to have, right? That you're making decisions about the environment, the air people breathe. That's pretty huge. And see, God wants to entrust things like that with us, but we have to settle into who we really are. And the mantles and the encounters and the things that God, how God created us to be. Is it, does any of this make sense to anybody? There's people in this room who have tremendous callings on their life. 
have tremendous purposes. And because you got hurt or because you failed or because it didn't work or because you see your friend who's doing better, you think. Right? You go try to do what they're doing. Try to copy them. Or you give up. Or you give up. Yeah, that's terrible. Right. That's another bad thing to do is give up. I was telling someone, if you knew how many times I wanted to quit being a pastor after the first week, it was a mistake by the end of the week. It's a mistake, Lord. I shouldn't have done this. Can I get out of this? Like, well, for weeks, I mean, it was terrible. This is a mistake. I've made a mistake with my life. What am I going to do? My kids have asked me this, Dad, why don't you, I was with them all week, so I had good conversations. Hey, why don't you ever encourage us to go into the ministry? You discourage us. Like, well, yeah. You know why? This, I'm not discouraging you. I'm just saying, don't do it if God hasn't called you to do it. I had a mint, one of my mentors tell me, Byron, if you can get out of this, get out of it. Because if you can get out of it, it doesn't mean you're called to do it. But if your heart won't let you do it, you know, and I've asked my family, would your heart let you do something else? Yeah, go do it then. Go do what your heart will let you do. But if you really follow the Lord, your heart's going to tell you if you'll listen to it. And when you begin to do that, then you can begin to connect into the world of answered prayer. Does that make sense? So who wants a better prayer life? Who doesn't? Might be a better question. <laughs> That's a bad question. Uh, everybody who don't want a better prayer life, stand up. Because if you don't want a better prayer life, I want you to stand. We're going to pray that you don't get a better prayer life. You shall not get a better prayer life. God, yes. Help, Lord. Lord, I want to pray for you, okay? I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us all. Number one, Lord, help us to be genuine, to be the real us the real person, the real calling, the real destiny, the real dream. Lord, help us to stop asking stuff that's ridiculous because it doesn't fit us. It's not made for us. Lord, I just pray for people in this room who are walking around in Saul's armor trying to wear it, and they, don't, they know in their heart it doesn't fit. pray today would be a day where they would put it down and get that sling Lord, five smooth stones that you have for them, Lord. Father, I just pray for all of us, Lord. We want to be people who are able to go to the Father and ask Him things that will change the world, to change the world that you've given us to change. I pray that for every person in this room. I just pray, Lord, that everybody in this room would just see that they are uniquely made and they are awesome and and they're loved, and they have something to bring to the world that can radically change the environment around them, Lord. I pray for them today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would know that. I know they would know their place at the table, and they would quit trying to sit at somebody else's place. They'd find their place and sit there and rejoice in it. And wherever they go, they would be able to ask, well, where do I fit in here? What am I supposed to do here? And if you say nothing, they can say, good, I'm happy to do nothing. But if you tell them, they would do it, Lord. Lord, I bless them in the name of Jesus. I bless them. God has a dream for every person in this room's life. Every person. A dream for your life. When you were in heaven, before you came to, went into your mom's womb, you had a conversation with God. 
and God told you about the dream. And before you formed me in my mother's womb, I knew you. That's what it says. And you talked with God, and y'all agreed on, a, on the dream. And God said, oh, by the way, right before you took off to go into your mom's womb, you're not going to remember this conversation until you get back here. And when you get back, you'll remember the conversation. But the dream's inside of you. It's alive in you. It's alive in you. And listen, don't let the devil talk you out of it. And don't let the world talk you out. And don't let the church or Christianity or anything talk you out of it. It takes courage. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a willingness to fail and be humiliated and get back up. Do it again. It takes all that. It'll take it all. You fail. You will fail over and over. It's okay. You're not a failure. But I really want to encourage you I want to encourage you. If God's called you and put farming in your heart, go farm with all your might because you can change the world. And one day in the middle of your farming, God's going to say something to you that could be profound. He can tell you something about a seed or a plant that could change the world. That's how God wants to work. So there's no lesser callings. There's no lesser things to do. There's no, really no such thing as a separation between the sacred and secular. And God's heart is all sacred. If you're involved in it, it's sacred. Because you walked in the door and you brought the Spirit of God in that door with you. So don't think, oh, you know, I've got to be a preacher or all that mess. Don't think that. That's just ridiculous. Just think. If God's put it in your heart, if God's called you to do it, it's a high calling for you. And we need to learn how to celebrate that in each other and honor each other. Amen? All right. And I'll add, you're qualified. You're not disqualified, even if you feel like you are. You're qualified, because he qualified you. If we could have our ministry team come up, we'll pray for people if you want a prayer today for something that stirred your heart this morning, um, or for healing, or for anything else. These are some committed people that want to pray for you. Thank you all, ministry team, for your ministry and what you do. Thanks, Byron. That was really good. We appreciate you. We're glad you're here. We're thankful you're here. Especially you and Becky. I'll agree. She makes you better. (laughs) All right. Well, if you don't want prayer, you can be dismissed. We love you. We're glad you're here. We're thankful that you're here if you've been here a hundred times or once. We're thankful for you. Go in peace to love and serve the world. Amen. You can be dismissed.